Welcome to Gray Maybe, a limited series podcast and social experiment based on this season's topic, grief. My name is Jillian Schmitz. I'm a professional dancer, actor, teacher, author, artist, and cat lover. Through my own personal journey of recovery, I found that things aren't just black or white or a simple yes or no. For me, in my recovery, there has been mostly gray area and a lot of maybes. In most of my stories, you can find the gray maybe. I'll be sharing my own process through personal stories and interviews with others in an effort to help investigate the process of and recovery through grief. If you'd like to share your story, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Before we get started, if you haven't already, please subscribe on whichever platform you're using to catch future episodes of Gray Maybe. A note before we start. My stories and the stories of others on this podcast are told through the lens of our own experience. The revelation of our process is ours to tell. If you disagree with the views or stories on this podcast, know that we are not speaking on anything other than our own experiences and viewpoints. Take what you like and leave the rest. Nothing expressed or mentioned in this podcast is an endorsement or is meant to be taken as advice. It is strictly the sharing of our own experiences and recovery. Any feelings this podcast activates in the listener is for the listener to process and recover from. Any criticism you have based on these experiences and choices are yours, and they are not anyone else's burden to carry. Trigger warning, death, brain cancer, sudden death. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Gray Maybe today. If you are an avid listener, know that I appreciate you. If you are tuning in for the first time, I'm so glad you stopped by. Consider listening to other episodes and looking up, you know, other previous seasons of Gray Maybe. Today, I have someone on the pod who I like very much, and I'm going to go ahead and say that this person, everybody likes. There's everybody... Everybody always says, oh, not everyone's going to like you. But <laughs> for this <laughs> for this particular person, that is actually not true. Everybody does like her. And I know it because I would have heard something by now or been able to tell if somebody didn't like her. And if you know this person, you know what I'm saying is true. Today, my guest, her name is Julie Schmid. I'm Jillian Schmitz. She's Julie yeah. Schmid. <laughs> Don't, don't get it twisted. And I know her because we did the China job together, choreographed by uh, by Keith, uh, Keith, Keith and Sharon Young, Keith Young, Sharon Young, and um, uh, assisted by Dominique Kelly. And we spent a good time and chunk of time in China together. Um, I had a very interesting experience. I've talked about that before a lot, a bit here and there. I had Chelsea on the pod in season two that you know, uh, Julie Schmidt. And Julie and I are both from Minnesota. Yeah. We both have family caramel recipes. Hers is a bit more um, famous than mine. Mine we just keep in the family. Hers, I think they've actually made some monetary uh, value out of. 
And so we just have a lot of weird little cute things in common. But Julie Schmidt is a dancer. She's an act. I've seen her do acting work. Um, I've seen her. I've worked with her. I have. I'm I'm a fan of Julie Schmidt. And so she's on the pod today. And so, Julie, will, will you just like give a little intro if I missed anything? Don't don't go against what I said. I know every, you, <laughs> you know I want to. Everybody likes you. Yeah, you're not going to though oh. because what I said is true. So, Julie, if there's anything you want to add to oh, the intro. I mean, that was just – I am very humbled by that intro. Thank you. But I am such a fan of yours, so the feeling is mutual. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't I, – I do – do know that um, I am not everyone's cup of tea, so I'm I'm well, I'm very clear okay. with where I'm That's at. That's fair. But, but <laughs> Julie Schmidt, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Julie Schmidt. In fact, if you ask someone, do you know Julie Schmidt? Everyone's like, oh my god, I love Julie Schmidt. Okay, I'm blushing. So Julie's good, <laughs> and if you're watching, if we if we can get our cams to work because we had a little bit of problem, we'll, we'll get our cams to work, and you see this on the YouTube or the socials, you'll see her blush a little bit. Yeah, um, totally. So. Funny. <laughs> yes, this season is like the worst season. <laughs> it's like I like, oh, great idea. Let's do a season on the saddest thing. Like let's let's do that'll be something great, you know, like I I don't do a, apparently uplifting topics for seasons. I do the nitty-gritty, which is weird cuz it's things people don't want to talk about and probably don't want to listen to. Uh, which is a weird thing to do for a podcast host is choose things that nobody wants to listen to or talk <laughs> about. Um, I'm hoping that somehow that still works out for me. But this season is on grief. And there's so many different components to grief. There's so many different types of grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like as a society, and I've probably have said this many times over in all of the episodes of the season, I don't think we as a community know how to grieve, Mm -hmm. help each other grieve, uh, like make it a normal part of life thing. Like it is like this thing to avoid at all costs when it's kind of inevitable on some level or all Mm -hmm. levels. So with that being said, you know, Julie has a story that I think quite a few people who know you, who are around you do know about. And I would love if you want to share a little bit about your experience through grief. I know you had two losses kind of close-ish together. Yeah. So that was like also because I was watching it from afar and I was just like, oh, my God, I can't handle it. And I'm not you. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no more. No, no, Let's this is not pause. cool. And so, yes, I a big, long pause. And so, you know, anything you want to talk about and and I'm going to really – yield to you as much as I'm jabbering now. I'll yield to you about anything you want to talk about. I have my little questions. I have my little things. (laughs) But, you know, like, we don't have to hit all the bullet points. And, like, if you don't want to go into the deep of, like, anything deep, don't do it. Talk about, like, I think all of it is valuable. Totally. You know, I think all about anything you want to say about it. If But if you want to start with, like, your experience, feel free. If there's something else that you want to jump around to, you get the questions ahead of time. You got a cheat sheet so you can <laughs> highlight whatever you want. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I I actually disagree with you that people don't want to talk or listen, talk about or listen to topics about grief because I have found it very valuable and I've sought that oh, out. Good. And I think anybody oh, who has gone through like a major loss 
that's it, it can feel isolating sometimes. So then when you hear other people talk about it, it's there's so many, you know, things that it's like, oh my God, I felt that way too. Or, mm-hmm. or, oh, that's interesting. Like that you looked at it from that perspective or whatever. So I think it's great that you're doing this. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. And, and, you know, for nothing else, because everybody likes you, they're going to listen to this episode. <laughs> this episode we'll will get hit. I yeah. feel like you're setting yeah, the bar yeah. very high and, um, no, 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 know. no. No, 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 no. There's, you got more than enough people that listen. Yeah, I know. It'll be good. No, that was one so of the... So tell me, tell... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say that um, Jason, so my late husband, which we will be talking about, um, that was like mm-hmm. always one of his things because I can I can be like, oh, my God, it's so good or this or that. And he'd be like, um, you need to like lower the bar a little bit because you're making the expectation far too high. So I think there's a little bit of, of him and me being like, ooh. <laughs> I love that. I love that Jason said that because I had to change how I saw. I have also overinflated expectations. And so I had to start setting what I would say bars so low I could step over them. <laughs> you know, like I had to be able to like in my mind see a bar so low that I could step over because I'm this I'm yeah. I I'll I'll spin it all the way up into something that is just absolutely not even possible. So we have that in common as well. Totally. So tell me, tell me about Jason. I met Jason. You did. I got to meet Jason. You did. Yeah. yeah Jason came to China um, for yeah. a week. It was actually over his 30th birthday. And um, I mean, honestly, I don't even know how he made it there. Like he flew by himself, like with not being able to walk super well, like no cell phone communication. Like, thank God uh, he survived. But yeah, I mean, Jason's one of my favorite people. Um, Mm -hmm. he was my husband. Um, we met in college, fell in love. I moved out to LA to dance. He started law school in Wisconsin. We did a a long distance relationship. And then finally he moved out to LA and it was supposed to be now everything is great. And we start our life together. And he was very quickly diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, which was misdiagnosed for like six months as vertigo. He was having like headaches and dizziness. And it, I mean, it, it was classic vertigo symptoms, but at a certain point, it's like something is wrong. Um, I will, I do have to give him a shout out though. He passed the California bar exam with a brain tumor. And anybody who knows anything mm-hmm. about bar exams, they're really hard. California is one of the hardest. Yes. And a lot of people yes. have to take it multiple times. So I do have to like toot his horn on that. Moly. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so, you know, he was, he was 27 years old. I was 25. We weren't married at the time. Like it was, we were just thrown into this. I mean, literally he got an MRI. He was in the ER that night. He was in surgery the next day with a brain tumor, the size of a lemon. Um, And that was the beginning of our journey of nearly 10 years of, you know, chemo, radiation, surgeries, doctor's visits, ups and downs, you know, they don't, there's not technically like a remission on brain cancer, but there's like, you know, cancer free or no visible disease, right. you know, status. Right. Um, right. So yeah, it was just a roller coaster until finally um, it, it all came to a head. Um, Actually, the the beginning of the pandemic was when, um, you know, 
things got really bad and we were running out of options and he did one final surgery. And then, um, you know, you start to know that like time is running out, you know, at, at the mm-hmm. beginning, like, it's like, okay, so you have a brain tumor and you're going to do all the things. And, you know, if this thing doesn't work, well, we have, we can try this other thing. And, right. and then, you know, your doctor starts to be like, okay, well, we got, we have one more thing in the bag, you know, and then it starts to be like, mm-hmm. how's your quality of life? And that's when you kind of right. know, like, okay, yeah, we might have to start facing like the reality of, mm-hmm. you know, this being terminal. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, he, um, he passed away on May 25th of 2020. Um, and Thank God I was able to be there because it was COVID, you know, and so he was in the hospital for, you know, almost a month without me by his side. And Mm -hmm. it, they would let me come in, the nurses would like sneak me in Mm -hmm. or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout his whole diagnosis and our whole journey together, it was like, we always were there as a team. Like I slept Mm -hmm. in the hospital with him, like we were there and it felt like, if we were together, we could conquer anything. Mm-hmm. And right. I think that was like one of the hardest parts was like for both of us, like being separated and not physically being there. And um, yeah, anyways. Yeah, he. Um, that. No, yeah. Continue. No, I, I start. This is what happens when I start talking. I start talking and then I forget what the point of everything was because I just no, go down is, these rabbit holes. That, it, <laughs> no, I. I was only going to interject and say that, you know, just to refresh everyone's memory, because I think we're all a little kooky after um, whatever your pandemic experience was. Everybody had a different pandemic experience. Nobody's was good. Some people's was way worse, (laughs) but nobody had a great pandemic experience. Now, we all make jokes like, oh, man, I'd love to have that two weeks off again. Get that government (laughs) money out of the good old days, right? Right. But that's us looking now, but you know, like, and also nobody was having a good time. Totally. It was just how bad of a time were you having? Sure. Um, and that point in there, like, I can't like the torture of just that timing of that yeah. on top of everything. I, I just, it seems so intolerable. Like, because this wasn't like March. March, everyone was kind of like, oh, did you hear? Oh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, see you in two weeks. Totally. April was like, hmm, this seems like we, yeah. maybe we should take this seriously. Yeah. This seems a little rough. Uh, hmm, I'm going to start wearing a hazmat suit. <laughs> and then May was like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're fucked. Yeah. Like, everyone's fucked. Everything is fucked. So, like, what a rough like what a, what a what a rough timing aspect of all of that too. Totally. Yeah. I mean, he went in, when he went in for his last surgery and it we were on the fence of like are we still doing surgery because this was his sixth craniotomy. And at yeah. this point, like in the past like so just be, so people kind of understand like um he had two surgeries back to back at the end of 2010 and that um cleared out a lot of the tumor. And he was cancer free. He also did radiation and chemo. Um, he had some disabilities because of it. Like his speech was slower. The tumor was on his cerebellum. Right. So thank God, like it didn't affect his personality. Like Jason was always Jason mm-hmm. up until like his yeah. last moment on this earth. Um, and I'm so yeah. grateful for that. But, you know, he was more like wobbly. Like he walked slower. He talked slower. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he 
was cancer-free for five years, then it came back, but still in the cerebellum. Um, did surgery again, a little more radiation, more chemo. And then it was like 2018, it came back and then it came back again. You know, so it's like the time starts getting shorter in between recurrences. I see. Um, and so this last recurrence, not only did it come back in the cerebellum, but now it had spread a little bit to like his frontal lobe and um, another little area of his cerebellum. And so we opted to do one last surgery just to sort of buy as much time as we could. You know, at this point we knew like there, we like it's spreading. It's, you know, mm-hmm. the, the time, the clock is ticking. Um, so mm-hmm. then it's just like buying time and like how much time can we have with each other and, you know, for him to have on this earth. And so opted to do the surgery um, got out of the hospital, like super quick, you know, it was like in and out brain surgery. Um, cause again, mm. April, 2020, nobody wants to be in a hospital. Right. Um, right. And I guess both of us were just like, okay, well we got out of the hospital. So like, whatever's going to happen, like we're together, we're at home. And then he went to the hospital because he got pneumonia and like, we thought it was just gonna be like an in and out thing. And that's when he, what he, it just progressively got worse. Um, mm. But I was able to be there when he passed. Uh, His family was able to come in. My family was able to come in and have like some final moments. And his actual passing was very beautiful. Um, Mm. He had been taken off life support and the doctors were like, it's probably gonna happen really soon. And then he just like kept breathing on his own. And it was such like, Mm -hmm. you know, Jason, so you know, he's sort of like, he's stubborn and he doesn't like to do things on other people's terms. And so it was very much like a, oh, really? Kind of a moment. Yeah, he, has, <laughs> he had a very dry sense of humor yeah. and like very witty, but very dry and like very cunning. He could concisively, I, j- I remember him summing up a moment in like a sentence in a way that you're just yes. like, did you just hear what he said? That's really fucking funny. Yeah. Like, and it just slided in there totally. in a way that's like, what did you just say? Yeah, like, <laughs> like out of that is out of nowhere. So it just really, yes. you know, it felt like he at least got to go out on his terms. Um, yeah. And I was there when it happened. I had gotten up from the bed and, you know, he knew that I was okay. Like he knew his parents were on the way. He, you know, I had been laughing about something and told him about it. And like, it very much felt like he was like, okay, I'm going to just mm-hmm. sneak out, you know? Right. Um, right. Right. But it's it's such a weird, it's such a weird thing in general, you know, death because someone is there, and then they're not, you know. Yes. And with him, I I you know I saw it happen. Um, but then a year later, I lost my mom very unexpectedly. She fell down the stairs. It was like a freak accident. I got a call at oh my three a.m you know, with my sister hysterically crying and just being like, mom's dead, you know? And I like, and that's like burned like, into what? my head. And it's just like, no, no, no. Like, she, it, yeah. And so it was like, with that situation, it's like somebody just disappeared out of thin air. And like, mm-hmm. you know, with Jason, it's like, I saw him, I saw it happen. I could like wrap my head around it. We had, you know, I feel like we were grieving the loss of so many other things throughout our whole experience with it that mm-hmm. not that it makes it easier to grieve, but it's different, mm-hmm. you know, whereas yeah. when somebody just like disappears, um, yeah. 
Yeah. I think there's like, there's, uh, you know, like this anticipatory grief mm-hmm. of like when you know someone's sick or something, um, you know, is kind of long term. Yeah. Um, or if you're just highly anxious like myself and you anticipate grief every single sure. thing all, all the time <laughs> of like, oh, a pet. Yeah, I'll do that. Oh, uh, you know, I, I can anticipatory grief. I can anticipate grief for everything uh, at any time, yeah. all times of the day, like just really really uh probably unhealthy um so that there's like that anticipatory grief which um my dad passed in april mm-hmm. and he had been diagnosed and i'll probably tell this story many times over on all the episodes of the season but um you know he was diagnosed in 2019 with uh uh supranuclear palsy okay. progressive su- supranuclear palsy psp it um it is it's a brain thing Mm -hmm. it's kind of like uh, a similar issue that alzheimer's patients have where this buildup of tau is not able tau protein in the brain is not able to be expelled out of the body normally Mm -hmm. um and so it but instead of it being like oh they don't know who you are or where they are they are aware they just their body starts breaking down Mm -hmm. um and so it affects their ocular nerves that's why they fall it affects their gait. Mm-hmm. It affects their swallowing, their mm-hmm. capacity to swallow, which is what eventually a lot of them end up passing from yeah. is the inability to swallow, right? Yeah. Or um, um, uh, what's it called? Um, when you're, when you basically choke. Uh, I should <laughs> know this because that was one of Jason's issues as well, and like, yeah. um, part of how he got pneumonia I, was like he couldn't, you know, like yes. He was swallowing incorrectly, like he was like swallowing. Aspirated. Yes, thank Thank you. you. Jeez. Oh my God, we both, and anyone who's listening is like, aspiration. (laughs) Like I've said it a million times in this moment, I can't remember. Um, That's what grief does to you, Mm -hmm. by the way. It just knocks out parts of your memory. uh, Just gone. Uh, So he had, uh, he, you know, once he had that diagnosis, and my dad was like not the healthiest of guy, sure. you know, growing up. So I kind of always grew up having kind of anticipatory grief for him that he was going to pass earlier than other people's mm-hmm. dads or earlier than he could have passed. And he didn't. He actually got quite, he was like 75, 70, 74, 75, which is like way older than I ever thought he would get. Really? Like my dad had his first stroke when I was in my early 20s. Oh, okay. And he had a big stroke in my early 20s and didn't need surgery, you know, or kind of like made a quote unquote full recovery. But he has probably since had many several strokes that people didn't know about since, Mm -hmm. which is also like they think PSP is very largely not researched, but um, yet because it's just pretty rare and they don't know enough about it. But there is a bit of research that suggests that people have had several strokes may go on to have something like this. So nonetheless, my dad passed in April and I had this anticipatory grief. I watched him Mm -hmm. get more and more frail. I watched his system shut down. I was, you know, I got to slow walk that process, which I think a lot of people who have had a loved one suffer from cancer, Mm -hmm. suffer from, you know, a debilitating illness or a terminal illness, they've watched that thing happen. Um, and it's also just naturally happens as people around us get older, we do sure. see like that deterioration. But then there is also that shock grief that you're talking about with your mom that is just like, no, you have, you get blindsided. Totally. 
blindsided. Yeah, just like and slaps I don't you know in the which face. one is worse. <laughs> I don't know which one is worse. Honestly, it's apples to oranges. Like, you know, like it's not a grief competition. <laughs> but I like oranges better. <laughs> well, it depends on the season, right? Okay. <laughs> Although you know, like season. I don't – yeah, they're both like just terrible. Yeah. Like for different reasons. Totally. I – you know, with like – with Jason, it's uh, – you know, we had to grieve so many different like – micro losses along the way, you know, like you grieve sort of, you know, him, just the loss of like his physicality that he used to have, you know, and then, and then, you know, we always wanted to have kids and stuff. And we got to a place where like, well, that's off the table for us, you know? And so you Mm -hmm. kind of like, you grieve that, but you, then you reimagine your future in a different way. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's just like, and then losing him, you know, as a younger person, like I, in my early thirties, when he passed away, it's like, you lose like a future that you thought you might have. Um, Mm -hmm. but you kind of like little steps of that happen along the way, but none of that, none of that makes it easier. It's like, did you watch succession? Okay. I mean, also I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but (laughs) <laughs> Don't spoil anything for anyone. I am late to the succession succession okay. train. I refused to watch it because I watched one episode and I was like, I feel like I'm just watching Rupert Murdoch's family or Donald Trump's family. <laughs> and I couldn't get into it because I was like, I can't watch these assholes fight over money like this. Like, I just can't. Totally. But then everybody talked about it so much. I started getting so much FOMO. And because the writer's strike, there's not a lot of new content coming sure. out. I was like, okay. I'm going to watch it. Start it. So I'm only like season two, okay, cool. maybe beginning of season three. Well, you know, I'm not going to say who says it or what happened or whatever, but it, it it's in response to okay. grief. And one of the characters is like, okay. oh, I'm fine. I pre-grieved, you know, and it's this uh, whole yes. thing of like, but that's impossible. You know what I mean? Like as yes. much as you think you can be fine because you were anticipating yes. some kind of outcome, yes. you know, you can't because then it happens. And at some point it hits you. And mm-hmm. I feel like it still hits me, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's been three years since, since Jason and it's been a year and a half since my mom. And, you know, when it hits me, it still hurts, you know, and it, it'll mm-hmm. sometimes just like come out of nowhere. Like I'll be totally fine. And then yeah. I'll, you know, hear a song on the radio where I'll see a couple holding hands and it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, then yeah. you're just the down for the count. Yeah. <laughs> but you're on a union five at best. Totally. Maybe, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I've, I've noticed that. And I've heard that so much from people who I have watched, you know, really go through their grief, you know, uh, um, like, uh, what's the word I want to say? Like, <laughs> not vulnerably because it's all vulnerable, but like uh, that have shown me their grief. So, um, so just nakedly, like they've been like really upfront Mm -hmm. about their grief. Like I've heard that a lot that it's like, it comes out of nowhere. It comes out, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, you'll think you're good. And then, you know, this, that I love the idea of pre grieving because that is what anxiety is. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a constant, like pre or, or maybe even depression. Like, you know, I, I am, running over the question in my mind recently of like, wait, have I been clinically depressed my whole life or have I suffered from whatever, like it feels the same to me. Yeah. 
you know, like in a way that I don't know if we're even as a society ready to tackle yet. And I don't necessarily have these big markers of things to grieve, but depression feels like grief. So Mm -hmm. even if I'm not going through grief, but that's what depression feels like. So people who are grieving are feeling depression. Like even if they are not, they might not be clinically depressed. Totally. Like there's some like parallel there that I think is. Oh, yeah. For nothing else, just like open it up and like consider that there's some like segue leeway, like, I don't know, some something there to be thought about or considered. I mean, I I am just like naturally an optimistic and like happy person by like, that's just like my DNA, you know what I mean? And so like, Mm -hmm. I feel really lucky about that because it helped me go through some really hard times. Mm -hmm. I also find humor to be very helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it gets dark and people Mm -hmm. aren't ready for you to like drop a dead mom joke, but you know, listen, Mm -hmm. when you have a dead mom, you get to tell dead mom jokes. Like, sorry. That's what I'm saying. Um, But I, I hit a really low point in my journey of grief with Jason and I'm trying to think timeline wise, I feel like it was after it it, it had already been a a year. It was after like the year Mm -hmm. marker. We weren't able to do like a big memorial for him until far later because of COVID. We did a really small family thing. Um, And even then I was like, oh, once COVID's over, we're going to do like the Jason tour. We're going to do a memorial here. And we're going to do, you know, because he has his hometown. I have my hometown. LA is our home. I was like, we're going to do, are you fucking kidding me? No, I was delusional. Like Mm -hmm. it's so exhausting to plan a memorial, Mm -hmm. but it is important to be able to do some kind of thing to like honor someone and be like, this Mm -hmm. happened. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. this person is not here, but let's celebrate the time that they were and let's like market and let's all be together so we can laugh and cry and do all the things. Um, but it was, we weren't able to do like a big memorial until like a year and a half later. So it was after the year mark of Jason passing, maybe like two or three months after that. And I've been, thank God I I started seeing a therapist before he passed because I knew that things were, not looking good. And I, to be honest, I should have been seeing a therapist throughout the whole thing. Like that would have been very helpful. We went to a, a brain tumor mm-hmm. support group that was like amazing. And, um, oh, good. but I started seeing an, an individual therapist. And so she, you know, had been with me through the whole journey and saw my ebbs and flows. And I'm really grateful for that because I did hit a point where she recommended I see a psychiatrist because I was, cu- I was getting to like clinically depressed Mm -hmm. levels of Mm -hmm. unhappiness. Um, and that's somebody who like, like I, I can find the bright side of a lot of different situations, you know, like I'm an optimist and, but it's still like grief will just do that to you. And it, it can be debilitating. And, and I, I talk about this because I don't want anyone to ever feel like ashamed of that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was great that I had the tools to, you know, for somebody to tell me, you know, like, I think you might actually be depressed right now. And maybe you should talk to a psychiatrist because maybe you need to go on something for a little bit to help you out of this like low, low, you know? Um, so yeah, grief definitely for me at least like can manifest as depression. 
Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I think that's important to kind of, especially how you frame it as being an optimist. Like, look, if anybody's going to get out of this, like, you know, mm-hmm. I got a it. smile and face, it's <laughs> me. And I had to like get some help, you know, yeah. like, I mean, I think that's saying quite a lot because I am not an optimist. <laughs> I am, um, Whatever the opposite of that is, if you want to say the C <laughs> word, and there's a couple C words you could use, um, a pessimist, a cynicist, uh, you know, like uh, all the things. Um, I like to say I'm a realist, but hey. I'm probably more on the other well, side. Well, hey, um, that's you being an optimist about being a cynicist, right? Okay, maybe. Right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I, I like that you talked about um, a second ago, this is a little bit back, but you talked about with Jason, you guys kind of had to, before he even passed, like as you're going through these scenarios, you have like these micro griefs, mm-hmm. right? These little things. And I love that you said that because I think there's so many things in life that people, as we age mm-hmm. and as things happen, these little micro griefs happen. And I don't think people maybe necessarily recognize that that's what that is. Yeah. And I think that becomes really hard if you don't allow that space and time and um, acknowledge and, you know, just care towards that process. And I think a lot of people are just like bulldozing ahead, however they can, you Mm -hmm. know, best way they can, you know, but without really digesting like, hey, this happened to me. I lost my job. I lost Mm -hmm. my career. I you know, loss of friendship or I lost a pet and, and pet, I would not say as a micro, uh, grief. Cause I know people, oh, yeah. um, pets are a big, are a big deal. I know they are for me. Um, you know, I know they are for a lot of other people where it can, you know, some people have even reported like they were more upset over a, a pet than maybe a, fam- a sure. family member. Or whatever. Sure. It depends on the family member, <laughs> you know, you never know. But, uh, you know, so, the micro grief thing is real. And I think if anyone's listening and they're not listening, you know, as a person who, oh, well, I don't really have a big grief in my life. I'm just listening because I listen to Grey Maybe or I know Julie or I know Jillian. Like, I implore you to start investigating where the micro griefs are mm-hmm. and if you're tending to them or not. Totally. And, and I'm not saying you have to tend to them, but like, think about it, acknowledge it, like even just notice it. Yeah. And then if you think you might take another step in some direction, I'm, I'm like a huge proponent for recovery. This whole podcast is based on recovery. Even the first season, which was about abortion, it wasn't really, I mean, it's about abortion Mm -hmm. for sure, but it was also kind of about the recovery of that whole process of me telling my story, getting it out there and then seeing if anybody else wanted to do that, you know, and it had a political spin to it for sure, because the time we're in. But to me, that was a recovery season. And then obviously the second season about eating disorders, mm-hmm. same thing, recovery. But grief, same thing, recovery. Mm-hmm. Like, not that you ever recover fully from grief. I don't know if that's possible. But, like, what if you can't go around it, if you can only go through mm-hmm. it, how do you go through it? Like, and how do you at least get through it or go through totally. it? Totally. Um, so I'm hoping that kind of like helps some people if they're looking and want to dig deeper in some of that stuff. Yeah. In one of our therapists in our brain tumor support group uh, would bring up a lot the concept of ambiguous loss. And I think that's kind of like the same thing. It's like, it's these losses that like, 
you know, somebody dies, that's a very clear loss, but like a loss of a future or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know, like those are things that are like harder to sort of like wrap your head around, but are very important. I think a lot of women go through it with like a miscarriage, you know, it's like, it's this loss of something. And, you know, maybe it was like the very beginning stages of something, but like, it is so much bigger than just that. And I think it's important to like clock those things so that if you are feeling feelings surrounding it, like you can give yourself permission and you can feel those things and, and, you know, not judge them. Yeah. Like I'm never going to be a gymnast, Julie, like ever. (laughs) You should grieve that. (laughs) I kind of want to, I'm kind of being serious and I'm obviously making a probably ill uh, positioned joke, but as you do get older, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you can't do anything at any age. Don't come for me. (laughs) Yes. Anybody, you can all do whatever you want. But as you get older, you you do start to be like, Mm -hmm. huh? I said, but also you can't, you know, (laughs) also you can't like, there are certain things that like you and I are never going to be on the Olympic team. Totally. Like Like, I'm a dancer or not. My leg used to go all the way up to here and it doesn't go as high anymore. And like, yes, it hurts sometimes it hurts it hurts physically emotionally spiritually and mentally and I can break that all down (laughs) like hurts my ego it hurts my I'm mad at God over it like I'm you know I can go through all of it yeah but it it is and and this is the thing like as you get older just there Mm -hmm. might be some grief waiting for you over things that you didn't necessarily anticipate um and I think it's valid and important to like acknowledge and work through yeah, it. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you know, grief comes kind of like little surprises mm-hmm. and things like that. Is there anything else about grief that surprised you that you're like, Oh, I didn't, it could be, huh. it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Yeah. It could be lighthearted. It could be dark, you know? Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, like experiencing loss, like, also highlighted like the things that I have you know what I mean like I feel really lucky that I lost Jason but I still have his families you know like Mm -hmm. so many of family and friends like really like was there for me you know and was there for us throughout Mm -hmm. the whole thing and so I think it it highlighted like the community that I have you know and Mm -hmm. that was like a very positive part about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, it, it's just a sneaky little fucker. Like it'll just like come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's good. Like sometimes it hits me and I get really sad or I cry or whatever, but there's almost a part of me that's like, okay, good. I'm still sad about this. You know, it's, you know, mm-hmm. like, Like, like I, you know, I think you worry or I have worried, like, you know, that I'll just like move on from things and like life will keep going and Jason will be forgotten or my mom will be forgotten or whatever. And I think sometimes it just reminds you like, like, no, like there, it's all still there and it, it all still matters. Awesome. I, I love that. Like, I love to hear that because. I think there is this fear when someone's not here mm-hmm. in front of you that like, oh my God, I'm going to 
Like, how do I remember? Mm -hmm. Am I losing the memory of like, can I still remember their laugh? Can I still Mm -hmm. remember like some of the things you're like, oh God, am I, am I, am I losing it? Totally. And then sometimes you get hit with a memory that you don't even remember. You're like, oh my God, like that memory. Yeah. Okay. Kind of, kind of didn't even think about that. That one's been way in the back for totally how long. Very recently, like just my mom's voice popped in my head of her just being like, hi, Jules. Like the way in which she oh. would say it, like, you know, if right. I called her or something like that. And it was just like out of yeah. nowhere. I don't even remember like what like sparked it or whatever. And it was just like, it made me, it gave me all the feels, you know, it's like for a yeah. second you feel like she's there and then you remember that she's not, you know. That happens a lot when I get in the car because that's, I would talk to my mom a lot in the car. Like I would call her or whatever. And so it's like that little urge is still there. Like I still will get in the car and just be like, I'm going to, oh no, I can't, you know? And, Mm. and it makes Mm. me really sad, but it also makes me happy that I'm still wanting to do that. You know? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know if you have that that, like with your dad at all or. My dad and I had a complicated relationship. Um, so some of it, yeah, like I had a memory about him the other day that I was like, oh man, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like that was a good, that was one of the good memories that um, I didn't remember until now. Mm-hmm. And I thought I kind of had most of them, you know, yeah. there. Um, but I don't have a ton of surprise about grief. I was surprised at my ability to deal with the last kind of arranging mm-hmm. of my dad. Um, and I don't know, I am going to throw that as a uh, pro to anticipatory grief. <laughs> like even though we said it doesn't help, I do want to go ahead and say that I do think that that part mm-hmm. might have helped me for that totally. scenario. Of course, it doesn't make you flawless in the process it doesn't make it you know uh uh, feeling free or you know Mm -hmm. like amazing but there were a lot of things that I felt like I was able to assist with that I didn't think I would really be able to yeah um so I was surprised by that um I was surprised that I wasn't necessarily lashing out on people as much as I thought I would (laughs) that's that's my surprise everybody I thought I was going to be more of a raging bitch than I actually was Um, but I still was like let me tell you there were certain people that still got it well hey Um, if you lost all your bitchiness you wouldn't be you that's see this is what I'm saying this is is why everybody likes you Julie this is why everybody (laughs) likes you okay now you mentioned uh that this brain tumor support group having, you know, a psychologist, Mm -hmm. having a psychiatrist as well. And I'm going to get that. If that brain tumor support group is open to the public, I'd love to link up to it in the um, show notes after the show. I'll make sure I get that from you and we'll, or, or if you remember the name of it, you want to throw it out. Yeah. It's called cancer support community and they have other cancer specific ones. So the brain tumor one was very unique in that because it affects like, your brain, obviously, uh, you know, the thing that right. helps you like think and do things, um, caregivers and patients came to the group together. And then, um, mm-hmm. we'd do like an hour together and then we'd go into breakout groups where patients and caregivers could have their own spaces 
Um, and that, Amazing. I mean, I have a close friend that I met in the group. We actually met his wife. Um, he came one time, but his wife was a regular in the group and, you know, the four of us became close and that was amazing in that, you know, they were able to help me through my loss with Jason. And then, you know, when she ended up passing away, like I was able to be there for him and Mm. just to have that kind of support for each other was, you know, has been amazing. Good. I'm going to put that in the show notes. And I just want to put a pitch out there to anybody. A, if you're a caretaker on any level, please, if you haven't already, find some kind of a support Mm -hmm. group or some kind of support for yourself. It is so, so important for people who are caretaking, people who are ill Mm -hmm. in their life to have that as a resource. And also, I want to pitch, anytime you're going through something, find your people. Mm -hmm. Like you have got to find your people that are going through the same thing because otherwise you go through it in a vacuum. And even, and I'm not even like, I'm the biggest proponent of have a therapist. Yes. Great. Yes. But also you need to have your people Yeah. and it's not your people, like your friends and your family. Yes. Those people too, but your people who are going through the same situation that you are, because there is a certain, there's a certain need that gets fulfilled mm-hmm. from people who have gone through it or are going through it that other people who are your support system in life may not be able to kind of give you that same support. So I want to throw out that pitch to anybody who's might be listening and is a caretaker or, you know, is going through something, anything, find your <laughs> support, find those groups, find those things. Um, so I'm going to ask you to like, it's a, it's a multi-question. Okay. Like, I want to know if there's something you can think of, like you did talk about the, uh, the, uh, the support group mm-hmm. and the psychologist and the psychiatrist, like the other side of that question is what didn't help? <laughs> like, what didn't help? Like, um, you know, this question is born out of people saying the wrong thing, which I often am. I am um, often the person who says the wrong fucking well, thing. You know, it's funny. Like first I, so many things are coming into my head right now. Um, there's no right thing to say. I'll preface with that. Like everybody's like, I, I feel just, left off the hook. I just want to be like, you know, everyone's like, I don't know what to say. I just want to say the right thing or whatever. There's like, there's no right thing. Mm-hmm. There are some wrong things, but I feel like it's very, you know, like it's very personal to people. Like when you mentioned pets, right? Like it did not help me when someone was like, well, I lost my dog and blah, and I just wanted to be like, right. were you married to your fucking dog? Like, did yes, you, you know, exactly. was your dog your life partner? Like, no. Yes. However, I know that losing a pet is a huge loss and I'm not downplaying any of that. Right. Right. Um, also losing your spouse is not the same as losing your grandparent. Like again, right. like, and, and I don't mean this in a way, like, don't try to use your losses to connect with somebody because that's not what I'm saying. Um, just be delicate with the way in which you, I maybe compare losses because right. it, it's not a it's not a comparison game in like my loss is bigger than your loss or whatever. Right. But just be very delicate in the ways in which I don't know. For me at least that was something that like I could see that somebody was trying to connect with me, but also yeah. it was like you know, like where yeah, you're just like, not okay, helpful. Not cool, helpful. thank you. Um, and I think unfortunately people they want to relate yes. so bad, right? They want yes. to let people know that like, I get it. I, I get sadness. Like I totally. feel bad too. And this is why, but instead of just being like, 
dude, that sucks. Like that is shit. Yeah. And and then just and I mean, sure, you know, if you feel if you've experienced losses, like of course bring those up. Um, but you could also then like put a little disclaimer on the end and say, I know this isn't the same as what you're going through. You know, instead of the person having to put their own disclaimer on it for you. Um, Right, right. But also, you know, also somebody that has experienced a major loss, it doesn't mean that your losses, like other person who hasn't experienced that, don't matter. Because I also, on the flip side of it, had people being like, oh, well, I didn't want to bring that up because you just lost Jason and so this or whatever. And it's like, no, but we all still have big losses happening in our lives and if anything sometimes you know talking about somebody else's helps you just like escape your own you know and listen misery loves company (laughs) and the last person I want to talk to when I'm miserable is someone who's doing really well I gotta say so like if you're having a hard time don't keep that from someone else who's having a hard time yeah be there be there for each other you know but yeah 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 no, I totally get it. And I, I would agree with you 100% all of those things. I am going to attach. I found a little do's and don'ts of like things to say oh, cool. or not say, you know, when, mm-hmm. when someone's grieving. And uh, I, I think that's like a specific thing like you brought up of how and and then there's some other ones too in there that I think are subtle and good to remind people that like don't play the at least game. Well, at least, you know, like don't like just let no like that's on the don'ts. So at the end of this podcast, I'm going to read it and then I'm going to put it on every episode as a link. Yeah, you know, it'll totally. be there as a link on every episode for you to look. If you know you're going to be seeing someone, talking to someone, or you have someone close to you dealing with grief and you don't know how to talk to them or you at least figure out what not to say. Yeah. And then you can, you know, yeah. there's some dues on there too. But, um, oh, I have a quick question. Oh, yeah. This is like not on the question oh, sheet. This is not on the question me. sheet. <laughs> I just want to see if you, I'm going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to ask everybody this. Um, I have a theory that your people pleasing is directly, not you, but just like in general, someone's people pleasing. (laughs) I'm a recovering people pleaser. Uh, Someone's people pleasing, I think, is directly correlated to how honest they will be when someone asks you, how you doing? (laughs) Because, and I'll tell you, and I'll tell you what, this is, so when people say to me, like, you know, my dad died and they're like, so how you doing? Uh-huh. I'd be like, I'd look at them and I could tell how badly they wanted me to be okay. Uh-huh. And then I would say, I'm doing good. Uh-huh. I'm going to lie to you right yeah. now because I can tell how badly you want me to be okay sure. because you're worried. And I get it. But I can't tell you honestly right now because I don't know if you can handle it or like you don't yeah. seem like... And I know this is no one's fault. I'm just talking about noticing my own people pleasing that mm-hmm. in this moment, instead of being honest, I'm like, they want me to be okay. Yeah. I'm good. I'm doing good. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if you relate to that. Totally. And on the level of people pleasing, 10 being lying to someone who's asking you about your grief and one being like, no, I'll break down right here, right now and tell you exactly how I feel. Where do you think you are on oh that? Oh my list? gosh. I mean, it depends on the day and who I'm talking to. And, and I, yes, am, I am a people pleaser. Like it brings me joy to make other people happy. So like it's deeply ingrained, but it is something that I'm working on just even in my daily life. Like you go to the grocery store and you run into someone and I'm like, Oh, how are you doing? Like in past Julie would just always like, no matter what the answer is, I'm good, whatever. And now I've at least started to be like, I'm okay. You know, or like, you know, give levels when I know that I'm not like 
great, you know? Um, but I think there is always that calculation when you're experiencing grief or even if you're not like you read the person and you're like, what do you, like, how much do we want to go there right now? And like, what can you handle? And what do I want to get into? Because sometimes I say I'm good to like make the other person feel better, but sometimes it's because I don't want to talk about it. So if I just tell you that I'm good, then we can like cut to the next thing. And yes, you know, um, but I, I feel like as somebody that has experienced loss and then, you know, when Jason, when Jason was alive, um, I, that, you know what I mean when I say that, I'm like, yes, I make jokes, yes. whatever. But, um, you know, we would go to a party and you're meeting people for the first time. And then he would always be like, I would always like really hope people wouldn't ask like, oh, so what do you do for a living? Because I felt like then it would just like, all of a sudden now you inevitably get into the brain cancer diagnosis or like, I I don't know, him and I both, it's like somebody asks you about your husband or your partner or whatever. And it's like, what, how, hmm, how much can you handle right now? Like, because I can, Mm -hmm. I can handle being like, oh, well, my husband has brain cancer and blah, 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 but it's okay. Like, you know, we're still doing this and that or whatever, but then you're dropping a bomb on somebody. And I do that, right. like, then after he passed, it's like, oh, now I have the widow bomb. You know what I mean? When somebody's mm-hmm. like, oh, so you married? And you're like, widowed. You yeah. know, it's like, like, th- yeah. they did not expect that out of this package, right? And yes, so- no. And if you aren't, if you're not <laughs> able to see or know what Julie looks like, she is not what you would imagine a widow. I don't know what a widow looks no, like. I, mean, I don't know I, what that, but I guarantee you it's not her. It, okay. Well, <laughs> whatever you're imagining, You just think her. somebody older, you know, like, yes. or whatever. Um and so, like, sometimes in those, like, how are you doing kind of moments, it's, like, calculation, calculating, like, what kind of a bomb do I want to drop on this person right now? And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's, yeah, yeah, it is caretaking the other person and being, like, what do they need? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for As sure. I'm saying, like- I, didn't, I was, like, oh, that's, that's one of the, one of the interesting things I've noticed is, like, is that whole thing is to be like, how you doing? And I literally will look. And I, the same thing as like, I don't want to get, I don't want to think, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to get into it. Like I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm great. You know, like there is those moments and I do, I am trying more and more to be like, and I do think I do this much more now is when people like, how you doing? Like, "Mm." Mm -hmm. or I do this one. I'm fine. Yeah. (laughs) Uh. Which everybody knows that that is even in a text. I'll do it in all caps. I'm fine which means like everything's like my basic needs things are fine yeah but like but hmm, like I'm not okay. super pumped and happy mm-hmm. I'm not joyous I'm not you know like I'm having a moment yeah. whatever um but I just I'm so glad to hear that you do that too because I was like oh my god am I this much of a people pleaser do I really not want to tell people because I can tell they want me to be okay totally. and like I'd rather them feel better in this moment but I can't imagine like going to a party like we're the epitome of 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 What's that called? Um, busy talk. What's that called? Small like talk? surface yeah. talk. Small talk. Yes. Oh my god. Just, <laughs> I like. Hello, I'm from talk. Minnesota. Why can't I think of this? So, uh, surface talk. That's what it is to me. It's just like it's just on this. Sur- yeah. Like, it just doesn't permeate anything. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine going to like the most surface of small talk and then being like having to be honest because like what are yeah. you gonna say? Like you gotta lie. Totally. You can't avoid it. Eventually, people ask enough questions and then you drop that and then people. Oh yeah. The small talkers, right? Yeah. The small talkers are just like, holy shit! Now what? Yeah. And you're just like, see, they, this is why I don't want to go to parties anymore. They don't know what to do with it. 
<laughs> You're like, because now I feel bad for them. And I have to like cheerlead to like, no, 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 it's, it's, okay. it's so good. Like, like you yeah. know, but like, you don't have that kind of energy. Come on. Like, you know. Yeah. It's, but then I like, you might, sometimes, but... like when you don't drop the bomb, then you feel like you're lying. You know right. what I mean? Are you withholding? Yeah, like I have this big secret Sneaky. that you don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's weird. It's just, it's like a, it's an equation. It's like just calculating all the little things. Like, do I want to talk about this? Do I not? Like, can they handle it? Can they not? You know, like, where are we? What's the vibe? Like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. And that makes me not yeah. so feel so weird. Oh, no, um, but I'm, I'm working on my people pleasing skills as well. So Okay, good. We can be there together. Good. I like the, I like your answer. I'm okay. You know, Uh, like that higher, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm okay, but like, I'm not great. Totally. But like, I'm okay, but I'm up here in this Uh high register. So I'm still (laughs) contemplating. I'm figuring, I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah, All of the, it says a lot. It says a lot in one word. Um, do you have like, is there like a belief system or any kind of a spirituality that helps, you know, or that, or maybe you have one post him mm-hmm. passing um and also this can be interchangeable with like hey you got any spooky stories you want to talk about anything mystical magical yeah. you know like anything that kind of happened that you want to discuss because I'm finding that that's kind of a through line and everyone I talk to there's some kind of spooky spooky mm-hmm. but not in a bad way totally. that happens it can be ongoing or can happen like in that moment yeah um what you got yeah what, you got? what I got um I don't know I mean I don't have any like overarching, you know, belief system. I meditate every morning and that has really helped like ground me. I believe in like a larger God universe creator, however you want to express that, you know, like I believe there's something bigger than us all. Um, But I, you know, I do think that like when people die, like they don't fully leave, you know, I mean, a, they're just like, if somebody impacted you, like you are you because of them. You know what I mean? There are little isms in you that are derived from those people. You know, like I can feel when I say something like my mom, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. in a way right. it's like, oh, she's still there, you know, because it's like right. moving through me or, you know, um, or when I think of like how Jason would have responded to a question, you know, like at the top of this where he would have been like, can you stop setting the bar so high because now they're going to go and it's, it's not going to be as great. Um, yeah, but there, I mean, there's definitely been some really like fun divine intervention type things. Like I, I got COVID, um, like in January of 2021. So this is like pre-vaccine. It's still like pretty gnarly, you know, case of, of everything. Mm -hmm. I was doing all the like right things, you know, and I still, it Mm -hmm. came through my vents, like in my apartment. And that was just the moment where I was like, I need to fucking get out of this apartment. It had been, it hadn't been a full year since Jason passed. And, and right after he passed, it was really nice to be there because it was like, right. Comforting. And it was like our stuff. And I don't know, it just, you know, I wasn't ready to leave, but like, that Mm -hmm. was sort of the moment where I was like, okay, Jason was sick here for so long. Now I'm sick here, you know, for this like mm-hmm. tiny period of time. Yeah. Um, and I just need to get out of here. And I was house sitting for a friend. I was looking for something in my email and I accidentally found this email exchange between Jason and I. And it was about when we had first moved into our apartment. 
And mm -hmm. um, I was mad because I didn't turn in our applications right away. And so we got like the shittier of the two units. Like when I got the keys mm -hmm. to our unit, because he was, we were still long distance when I got this place. So it's like, I walked in and I was like, this was not the one I looked at and it has a bad view and it has, you know, and I was really upset. Uh, and, yeah. um, in like, I, so I wrote him an email, you know, and I was just like, I'm just so mad if I just turned those in right away, like we would have had the better thing. And he was like, listen, it's okay. Like, we're not going to be there forever. Fast forward, like mm -hmm. 10 years later, like I'm still there, uh -huh. but it was, yeah. you know, it was like such a reminder of like, Hey, we never intended on staying in this place. Like it was almost like right. permission right. to leave. Right. You needed that yeah. the last little bit. To yeah. Like, to the, the COVID was like, I, it, this is becoming intolerant to totally. me, but like that last little yeah. part of you of like that loyalty that, like, of like not leaving. Yeah. Of just like him reminding me because I, this, I completely accidentally stumbled upon this email. I was not looking for it. And it very much felt like his way of being like, Hey, but also like turn in your application right away. You know, right. and like I, a couple weeks later, like I had been searching for apartments and this unit popped up and it was like right around the corner from the farmer's market, which we would go to every week. It was like our church, you know, and we always wanted to live in that neighborhood and talked about it, you know, and it's like this beautiful apartment in this like cute little building that had been, you know, my unit had been renovated, pops up and I'm like, oh my God, I need to go see this. And so I went right away. I like walked in and I just like felt like I need, I need to live here. And, mm -hmm. um, and so with that little nugget in my head of like, turn in your thing right away, Julie, I did. Mm -hmm. And it totally felt like it was like, you know, Jason. Arranged yeah. for you. And it yeah. turns out the guy that used to live in my unit, he lived there for 40 years and he passed away in the unit. And they have to disclose that to you at a certain point. You know, right. like I turned in my application literally the next morning, the landlord was like, cool. Like, can I see your bank statements? You know? And I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is happening. Like already, like this is so fast. Mm -hmm. And then after a couple exchanges, um, he was like, so we do have to let you know, like the former tenant passed away, like natural causes. He was old. And there, at like, I had one moment where I was like, is this supposed to be my red flag? And then I was right. like, no, like I am the perfect person to move yeah. into this space. Like even in my email, yeah. when I sent over my application, I said, you know, my husband recently passed away and I'm just looking for a mm -hmm. inspiring new space to live in. And it totally mm -hmm. felt like, like Jason planting all these seeds and right. like, I don't know, making it happen. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I have a couple last questions for you. Yeah. Not a ton. <laughs> We're getting towards the end. Um, these, I, I, you might've kind of already covered this, but I'm just going to ask, like, is there something that like looking back now, mm -hmm. what did you need from other people when it was the hardest? Like, was there something that people could have done more of or do, do mm -hmm. period? Or, you know, like what, if you can think back to when it was the hardest or yeah. when, when it gets really hard, yeah. cause this can be ongoing and you know, like what did you need from other people? I think for me, it's like, it's overwhelming when the, the loss first happens, right? Like right. consult with somebody before you send flowers because my house turned into a funeral home. Like I am so yeah. grateful for like all the flowers I received. They were beautiful, but like at a certain point, one can only have so many flowers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, 
you know, you get such like an outpouring of love and support in the first even few months or, or whatever. And then life goes on, you know, like people's lives go back to normal and yours doesn't. And I think for me, like I've, I've had so many people continue to reach out, but I think, you know, sometimes I'll even fall into this where it's like something happened to somebody and I'm like, Oh, I I don't want to reach out right away because they're probably like overwhelmed. Like a, just if you ever have the inkling to reach out to anybody, even if it is right away, my advice, and this might not go for everyone, but like reach out because it is overwhelming, but also like you can then choose to like respond to those people in your own time. But it is nice to see like how many people really care. And then I would just say Mm -hmm. like, check in, like, cause once Mm -hmm. the dust settles, that's like the hardest part is like, that's what I've heard. Yeah. And so just like, checking in with people, you know, at any point in time, like months, years, whatever. I've tried to make a better habit of like when somebody just pops in my head for whatever reason, just like reaching out Mm -hmm. to them and saying hi, because yeah, Yeah. I don't know. It's like, it feels like, it feels like there's a reason why people pop into our brains. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And, um, I think too, there's like people, they, sometimes people want to reach out and they might be aware that you, those people might be get inundated mm-hmm. and then they don't reach out. And then a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. So then you don't even sure, like, so yeah. then, like there could be the yeah. situation where like no one's really reaching out or only a couple yeah. people are reaching out when there is a lot more people that totally want to, they're like kind of yeah. like, Oh, I don't want to do it yet. Cause they're probably getting it. You just, so I think I agree with you. Yeah. Like, especially if you don't expect anything back in return, like even an, a, an acknowledgement, even if someone just like, Hey, I just want to let you know, you don't have to get back to me. You don't have to even, yeah respond. I just want you to know, you know, like, I think that's always like really nice to like, let the person off the hook too to accept the love without having to like do anything. Totally. And like, and then also like, you know, so many people, you know, I would see them for the first time or whatever. And maybe it had been a long time since I'd seen them. And, you know, you could tell people would like want to bring it up, but wouldn't want to, you know, so I would just encourage people to like, and again, this is so personal to everybody. So like, there's no one size fits all, but like, mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like, okay to bring it up and just be like, I just wanted to say, I'm so sorry about Jason or whatever, because mm-hmm. I like when people remember that he's gone or remember that my mom's gone, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, right. It, it's comforting to me to know that like, that he is missed or my mom is missed or right. whatever. Um, And then sometimes it just like, it gets that awkwardness that everybody maybe is already feeling or like, or, or even like, sometimes I'll be like, well, I don't know if you know, but my mom died and like, I'll bring it up because I just feel like I need to like, I don't know, (laughs) bring it up. Well, yeah, because you're like, not like when you're kind of still like on any given day, you could be processing stuff and like, if people don't know, and you might not be your full self or what you think they normally perceive you. It is kind of like you just want to be like, hey, yeah, like, so this happened. Yeah. That's what's new with me. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Like, hey, hey, what's new with you? Yeah, what you working on? Totally. Oh, well, my dad died. Yeah. Like, so I was kind of working on that. Um, <laughs> doing that stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's like, I, I totally understand that. I think there's, and I feel like this is also going to, you know, this is definitely a theme when I talk to people is like, there is this sidestepping of like, I don't want to bring it up because I don't want to hurt mm-hmm. someone more than they're already hurting. Right. But then not bringing it up sometimes is like not helpful totally. because it, it's like, 
avoiding uh-huh. elephant in the room, not honoring the person, yeah. acting like you're forgetting them. And that's equally it's- kind of, and this is what I'm talking about, this weird tiptoeing shit that we totally. do because nobody knows how to deal with it. We don't, uh, I feel like as a society, we don't accept our own mortality. Yeah. We don't accept it from people around us. Growing up in Minnesota, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. people, like people talk about stuff, they're very much like, well, heaven forbid this should happen to you. And it's like, well, but it it's is going all going to We're all going to die. And there is like, don't say that. Oh, you'll never guess who passed away. And it's like, <laughs> I mean. Maybe I will. I don't know. <laughs> maybe because everybody, you know, like, yeah. so there is like this very, there are other cultures that like, they do better totally. in this area. I think, I don't know what they are. Maybe I should do some research on that. But, <laughs> you know, I think like we have a little, a little room for improvement um, in that. And, and I think this like tiptoeing, like even acknowledging it, talking about it, like everybody being like, yeah, that happens too. And like feeling like grief is airborne. Like people are almost afraid of it. Like they start avoiding. I notice I do it. I'll be like, I, I don't want any more. I can't take any more sadness. Like I'm already a sad person. (laughs) Like I can't take it. Or like, I don't want to bring it up. Like, Oh, it's airborne. Like, you know, it could be like contagious, you know, like that kind of thing. And so, And that might just be me, but I've noticed that a bit as well. That's the best way I can describe it is like being afraid it's airborne or like I'm going to catch it, you know, like because the anxiety it brings up for people and the sadness and the empathy that they might have is like I can't they can't tolerate it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got one more question for you. What you got? (laughs) What I, I always say at the end of all the podcasts, I don't give advice. I don't encourage my guests to give advice, but I do ask for their suggestion. Sure. So do you have a suggestion for people who might be suffering right now? Even if you've already said it, what I get, like, what's your suggestion if you have one for people who might be suffering right now? I mean, honestly, I think like reach out and talk to somebody like that you can trust, um, you know, because I think the more that we like suffer in isolation, the harder it becomes. And the more that I've shared my experiences, the more I've seen that other people, you know, have similar feelings in similar ways. You know, it's just like, it is a relatable thing. Like we do all have grief in our lives and we've all grieved. And, and while it's good to, you know, try to work things out for yourself sometimes, you know, and like self-soothe and figure, you know, like go internal and not mask things with other things. I think at a certain point, like you, you don't have to suffer alone. You shouldn't have to suffer alone. And it's really important to like, to reach out even, even if that's, if you're not the kind of person that likes to reach out, like it's just however you can figure, you know, even if it's just like, Mm -hmm. Hey, do you want to go for a walk or, you know, like, you don't even have to mm-hmm. talk about the thing you're suffering with, but like try not to lose like the human connection because I think that's the thing that can like really, um, you know, help us through. And it allows other people to help you. And at the end of the day, like sometimes that's a gift for that other person. Absolutely. So I love that. Um, and I'm going to say one thing yeah. that I didn't say at the beginning that I wanted to say is that one of the things about you that has been so that has impressed me since the beginning. I mean, obviously, fantastic dancer, fanta- like very um, smart dancer. You know, like there are great dancers and then there's smart dancers as well. And um, 
you know, fun dancers to work with <laughs> who are all those categories and boxes. But I still can't quite wrap my head around how you care took and had a professional dance career. Like, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you showed up for that. I don't know. Because I don't think of people like a lot of people who listen to this podcast, like might be dancers. But if you are not, I don't think anybody realizes how hard it is mm-hmm. to have a career in dance, especially when you've moved from someplace else. You're not a native, you know, Angelino mm-hmm. or a native New York City person who grew up with that culture and grew up with the industry kind of like right around you. It is such a difficult pr- profession. It is so you have to have so much energy and focus to put towards it to make it success- successful. I have no idea how you were caretaking and doing that. Like, I just don't know. Like, uh, uh, physically, I don't know. Uh, Emotionally, I don't know. Like, mentally, spiritually, all of the boxes. Like, I don't know how you did it, but you did. And you continue to, and you still do. And I'm like, okay. Well. I don't know how many lifetimes it would take you. Like, personally. I mean, sometimes it felt really petty to, like, you know, lay on the couch and cry about a bad audition to Jason, who is, you know undergoing cancer treatment but he always gave me the space to have those feelings too so I feel like I was able to do that because I had somebody you know supporting me too Mm -hmm. but I don't know I'm still trying to do it I don't know how do you do it how can how can we keep doing it I don't know I I don't know girl I don't know Julie Schmidt, thank you so, 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 so much for coming on and talking about the hard stuff and being willing to like really let it all out there. This is like not a walk in the park as far as, you know, an interview, you know, and I just, I so appreciate your grace and your willingness to come on. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. I think the world of you and I love chatting with you anytime, but anything. (laughs) Thanks so much. Bye. I can't say enough good things about my experiences with Julie, her personality, professionalism, humor, work ethic, and of course, all of her many talents. Her greatness only makes the circumstances she's endured so much harder to contend with because bad things shouldn't happen to good people. Watching people we love suffer and the feelings that come up in ourselves through the process of empathy is torture. The feeling of powerlessness is not one anyone enjoys, nor do we as a culture explore or accept it. I'm so honored and humbled that Julie would take the time to share her experience and journey with me. If you're listening to this episode and you're experiencing grief, welcome, and I hope this helps your journey. You're not alone. Just a reminder, for anyone who needs to hear it, you don't need to have experienced a giant catastrophic event or a death to experience grief. Know that whatever you're feeling, there are those among us who have probably felt it too. You're not alone. If you're listening and you have someone you love in your life that is grieving, welcome. You are also not alone. We as a society have a long way to go in being able to tolerate and help those closest to us manage grief. I've included a link in the show notes for the do's and don'ts, which I'm going to read here. Don't assign positive meaning to their loss. In our effort to encourage and support the griever, we may try to project the current situation into a better future way too soon. Saying, 
Time will heal all things is not helpful. Prophesizing a future positive meaning on top of the grieving person's crushing and devastating loss tends to minimize the griever's current agony, essentially suggesting that they sweep their pain under the rug while focusing on some potential positive long-term outcome. Stay in the moment with the griever. Follow the grieving person's lead. Be an attentive, active listener. Allow the griever to take the conversation where it needs to go. Make room for plenty of silence. Don't jump in to fill space with unnecessary commentary. Sometimes before a two-way conversation can even begin, the griever just wants someone to sit with, literally or virtually. No questions or words of comfort are needed to fill silence. Presence is often what the griever really needs. On their own, sometimes the grieving person will identify a silver lining or hopeful thought that adds meaning to their loss. This is a normal and often constructive way to cope with grief. Remember, the griever is the only person who can know what this loss means to them. Only the griever can make meaning of their experience. Once they do so, it's appropriate to support them in their newfound hope. Use the name of the lost loved one. While you are comforting the griever, all of their emotions are tied up in the loss of their beloved. Saying their loved one's name out loud is a way of validating the life of that person. Say Anne, not your sister. Say Alan, not your son. Say Stu, not your husband. Don't ever be afraid to mention the person lost. Grievers want to talk. Memories are all that remain after a loss, and talking about the person who died helps to keep them alive in broken hearts. Refrain from platitudes. Refrain from platitudes religious or otherwise like, they are in a better place, or time heals all things, or everything happens for a reason. Don't pretend that you know the answer. You don't. No one does. As a person who desires to support a griever, pay attention to what you say. Never say anything that starts with the phrase, at least. Comparing and contrasting your own grief experiences or dreamed-up hypothetical ones with the reality of the loss that just happened is missing the mark in several ways. Making your loss the topic of conversation is asking the grieving person to switch their focus and empathize with your grief at a time when the total focus should be on them. Don't say, I know how you feel. You don't. Seems to me describing how something worse could have happened represents a thwarted attempt to say something, no matter how unhelpful. Stay out of your empty word, ill-informed autopilot script. Choose not to go there. Be open to the expression of any emotion. As an active listener, be open to any emotions the griever may express through verbal or nonverbal means. Anger, yelling, silence, rage, disbelief, denial, crying, pacing around the room, shouting, rocking back and forth, wringing hands, clenched fists, avoiding eye contact, needing to be held, avoiding touch, etc. Be observant about what the griever is expressing, overt or subtle, and allow a safe space to be in that moment. Do not in any way tell them not to feel what they are feeling. Remember anniversaries. Try to remember anniversaries such as the birthday of the person who died and the anniversary of the date of their death. Sending a card or a text will let the griever know that you are remembering too, reminding them 
that they are not alone. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you were able to find something relatable in today's episode. If you'd like to show your support for this podcast, consider making a donation on Spotify. It would also be very helpful if you could rate, share, comment, and subscribe. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please email graymaybestories at gmail.com. G-R-E-Y-M-A-Y-B-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. Thank you to everyone who helped make this Gray Maybe podcast happen. Producer and editor, Roderick Barge. Cover photo by Jose Perez. Music licensed by Pixabay. Special counsel, Jada Ellingham and Roderick Barge. Special shout out to supporter, Patty Olgan. Until next time, bye for now.